Welcome to UCM Radio The Beat. You're listening to Chatting It Up, the only radio show where we film flying pigs. I'm Greg Burns, and joining me today we have Dr. Aquilus Gordon, an associate professor of psychological sciences. Uh, that's me. Glad to be here, man. It's a cool show you got. Oh, yeah. And so as a doctor of psychology, I'm sure you know all about the Meyer-Briggs personality indicator. Would you mind explaining to the audience what that is for anyone who might not know? Uh, sure thing. Um, the the Myers-Briggs is uh, it's a personality indicator, as you said, which basically just means it's a personality test. It's based on, a lot of folks don't know this, it's based on uh, some of the work of Carl Jung, which is you know, one of those really old psychologists that uh, was kind of around when Freud, folks like that were around. But yeah, it's just a personality test. Uh, it's It can be kind of controversial in terms of uh, what folks think, uh, whether or not it's uh, truthful or helpful or accurate or not. Uh, but I personally find it really helpful. And, and in terms of my research and uh, academic interest, I find it really helpful and interesting. Yeah. And like what specifically about it do you find helpful? So I think in different ways. I think it's helpful in, a, in many different arenas, I guess I would say. But also if you're thinking about it from kind of a psychological perspective, that is to say like clinical work or research, I think it can be helpful uh, in those ways too. So for instance, one thing I know about a difference between say somebody who's uh, a sensor and then somebody who's intuitive. And if you know what that means, you do. If you don't, you don't, it's fine. But uh, intuitives, for instance, don't like to have everything explained in detail. They, when they get it, they'll say, okay, okay, I get it. I know it. And then it'll frustrate them if you keep telling them the details that they've already figured out uh, versus somebody who's a sensor. Uh, and they like to have you explain it just in case, say it one more time, okay, it was like this, right? And they'll want that sort of deep confirmation. So when I'm working with a client, right, if I know that about them, it might kind of just help me in terms of uh, how I'm communicating with them, if uh, I'm frustrating them by giving them too much detail, or if I'm frustrating them by not giving them enough detail. And so as I'm sure the audience and I myself are curious, what personality type are you? Um, my personality type is uh, ENFP, uh, which is extroverted, intuitive, feeling, perceiving. And so, you know, that basically means that uh, as an extrovert, I live in the outside, what I would call, what extroverts at least would call the real world, uh, as opposed to an introvert who tends to more live inside themselves and kind of be in their feelings or their thoughts or their ideas, uh, their sensations, this type of thing. Um, I'm intuitive. So, um, you know, we were talking about somebody who likes to put the pieces together themselves and figure things out and not have things overly explained. No spoilers, please. Uh, that's the intuitive. And then versus, again, the sensor who's more into concrete details and what's actually there. And, you know, if it's not on the page, it's not on the page. I'm not reading between the lines. Um, I'm a feeler, which means I tend to make decisions based on my feelings uh, versus <laughs> versus necessarily what's logical or practical. Um, and then I'm a perceiver, which means that in general, I want to take the world in. I, I really just want to observe the world and see what's happening and explore ideas uh, versus, you know, apply myself to it. Uh, judges, you know, come into the world and they just want to do things. They want to make things move and make things happen uh, versus necessarily just in enjoying or understanding. Yeah. And what actually was really funny was when you said that you were an ENFP, I was like, dang, 
That's the same thing I am. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Uh, have you taken the test uh, re recently? I, I know you maybe took it in a class for me. Yes, I took it twice last semester, and then I took it once the semester before. The semester before, I got, I believe it was ENFJ, and then I got ENFP twice after that. Do you feel like a, a, feeling, a feeling type? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I definitely, like... When I'm talking with people, I definitely like to get to know how they feel kind of thing. Sure, yeah. And, like, if someone else is sad, it just makes me sad as well. But then whenever people are happy, you know, make, that makes me happy. So that's always been my goal is trying to make other people happy. If you don't mind, I, I would probably just kind of classifying folks and, and hearing you describe that, it sounds more like an ENFJ to me or possibly even an INFJ. And that's that piece where you said the feelings of others really sort of take hold of me and make me feel certain ways. Uh, folks who have that FJ combination are very truly empathic, right? And, and when we say empathy, we mean I see a feeling and then I feel that way. I see somebody in pain and I wince, right? Everybody has it a little bit, of course. And so that's real empathy. FPs, like me, are sympathetic, which means I don't necessarily feel what you're feeling in the moment, but I have a really good sense of what that would be like. I have a good sense of, oh, that's happened to me before. That sucks. And so I might still make some decisions out of my feelings, but uh, in other cases, I may not be connected to that, right? My feelings in the moment may be dominant and I'm not willing to sympathize. You've just pissed me off and now face my wrath, right? Uh, so there's a way to kind of, you know, there, even though two people are feeling types, there's still different ways in which they're making those decisions. Are you making decisions based on your feelings from somewhere in the, in the depths of who you are, or are you making feelings based decisions based on the feelings of other people and what people seem to need and want from you? Yeah, and that's actually really interesting. <laughs> does that fit, does that seem to fit more for, I'm just curious if one fits better for you than the other? Uh, I mean, I think so, yeah. I mean, I'm not entirely too sure yet. I probably have to, you know, do more research into it myself to make sure. But I mean, it, I, I do feel that way, yeah. And I know that when I was looking into it, like the more detailed uh, stuff about the tests, like my results and whatnot, uh, a lot of the answers or a lot of the options, I got really close to like 50-50-ing mm. sure. them. So like, I think I was only like one question away from being an I instead of an E. Interesting. Yeah. yeah that happens a lot. I. I don't remember which one, but I think it was the N was the only one that was like like dead set was pretty yeah solid. You're, you're that one yeah yeah but yeah for most of my quiz I was pretty like on the fence for a lot of the questions yeah intuitives are um, you know <laughs> we're the weirder ones <laughs> you know we're the we're the ones who uh, don't necessarily want to go down the beaten path we want to try something new and maybe folks think that's uh, strange or, or odd but. You know, somebody's got to discover Mars. <gasps> Do you know what time it is? It's time for Name That Major. <laughs> right. Now, the rules are simple. Uh, I've asked a few students for their personality type and their majors. All you need to do is oh. guess the correct department. Bonus points if you get the major. Okay, man. Our first contestant was Allison, and her personality type is INFP. 
Okay, can I talk? Can I talk through this? Some yes, sort of think out loud. That makes for better radio. <laughs> All right, so INFPs on the whole uh, are very emotional. They're a very emotional uh, type, and this is because you know we're talking about that sort of FP ratio. It's because they're so sympathetic, right? They are very uh, kind of sympathetic. In order to be sympathetic, you need to know your own feelings. You need to know kind of be in your feelings a lot so that when you see feelings, uh, other people's feelings kind of resonate with you. Oh, I know what that's like. So the other thing that they're really good at in in lieu, in regard to that is also listening. They're really good listeners. Um, they can be good communicators, but often INFPs will, for instance, uh, prefer to write. Uh, being introverts, they often don't necessarily want to speak to get up and speak. Uh, us ENFPs like to get up and speak, uh, but INFPs kind of want to have a little bit private communication and write something, so they're often good writers. So that would probably be my first guess, honestly, is uh, a writer, um, some sort of artist, or uh, there's one other thing, maybe like psychology or something like that, uh, something dealing with people and feelings. You're pretty close, Uh but the major they had was speech pathology. It's kind of within that domain, but a little bit away from it. There's a lot of listening involved. Yeah. uh, And there's a lot of helping involved. So you're very close. Yeah, yeah. But we did have some other viewers who were INFPs as well, and most of them were within the English department. So... We can give you half a point for that. Is that half credit, Professor? (laughs) I think it is half credit. (laughs) All right. Now moving on to our next uh, question, which is INTJ for a Timothy. INTJ. Oh, these are my favorite people, honestly. Um, (laughs) INTJs are, uh, oh, they're so like dark and kind of salty on the outside. Without going PG-13, INTJs are known for having um, resting bad guy face. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That is to say, a lot of people will go up to INTJs. If you're an INTJ, you probably know this is true. And they'll always ask you, are you okay? What's wrong with you? And it's just kind of how they look. It's just sort of uh, for focused or what. But INTJs are known as the mastermind type, and they are often, I hate to say this in public, all of them are gloating as I begin to say it, but they are often uh, described as the smartest type. Um, and boy, do they know it. Uh, one of my favorite things to say to INTJs is INTJs spend a lot of time trying to figure out why exactly they're right. <laughs> and that's kind of how they come to the table. So they're very analytical. Um, they can be good with people in doses. They can be really frustrated uh, by people too. But ultimately, they 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 tend to want to help, though they often won't tell themselves that. They're kind of above it as far as they're concerned. Uh, so what kind of major? Um, this is going to be somebody who's probably – this is hard. They can really do anything. But it's going to be something kind of technical – kind of like kind of theoretical too so like a history or an economics or a politics or an engineering right it's it's going to be something where there are rules but there's also a lot of freedom to kind of explore within those rules and you're really close with that whole summary right there yeah. because what he decided was airport management. 
Okay. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of technical rules there, but then right. there's a lot of like free open space because you have to know all the stuff about how airplanes operate. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, that for me is kind of a close, you know, it's not, yeah, I, that makes sense to me. Like there's that kind of engineering component being in that world, but there's also this sort of, is when you say managing, are they managing the people or the building, do you know? Uh, I did ask him and I believe he said he was managing the building. Interesting. Yeah, and that would make sense that that they really sort of want to. I'm gonna have him on the show on Friday. So there you go. We'll <laughs> ask him, get him to clarify, and, and see if he's got a resting bad guy face. Well, actually, I do personally know him, and when you were talking about how they're really smart and intelligent, yes, the smartest guy in our class, high school. Shh, don't tell him. You can't tell them. Oh, he, he knows. Don't feed the INTJ's ego. Uh, yeah, and then lastly, we have Nolan who is an INFJ. INFJ, um, the rarest type, especially the rarest type for guys, just because women tend to be F-types. It's not a huge, it's like 60-40 both ways. Women tend to be F-types, guys guys tend to be T-types. Um, and so the INFJ is all around the rarest. And then for men in particular, it's a very rare type. So congratulations, he's special. It's going to go to his head if you say that too many times. You think so? <laughs> INFJs, do, do you think so? Or is uh, probably not. <laughs> I was just making fun of him. He, he's my best friend, so I can do whatever <laughs> I want. Fine. Uh, INFJs can be pretty sensitive. They're, they're probably as sensitive as an INFP, but they don't, they're not going to tell you about it as much. They're going to kind of bottle it up, and then they may explode on you, or they may, or you might find out like they've... Um, you know, just like went on a rant to a, a mutual friend you share. They're usually not going to try to be like that kind of disheartening or anything uh, with you. Uh, so they're usually not going to try to try to do anything that's necessarily mean, but they they will get their emotions pent up. Uh, INFJs are known for doing something that they call the INFJ door slam, which is to say that they'll take a lot of abuse or they'll take a lot of gruff until they finally are just done with you and then that's it. You, there's no getting back to them, right? And so there's this kind of very polarized where they'll, you know, they'll be nice and they'll hear you out and they'll let you, <laughs> they'll let you be a bad guy for a little while. Uh, but then eventually they'll get fed up of that and they'll just cut you off. Uh, there's, they're not gonna necessarily try to work through it when you get it to that point. I, INFJs are, and I, and I mean this in the most loving way possible, I love, I love weird people. INFJs are weird, uh, and they will usually self-proclaim that. that yeah, I'm a, I'm a weird person. And so it's kind of difficult to say what exactly they fit into. This is a type, because they're so rare and because they're so, you know, unordinary in general, there isn't anything that I think that they kind of perfectly fit into. But here's some stuff that they're probably good at. Um, they're, they're still going to be good with people, so they'd probably be good at any sort of counseling or helping skills. So they could definitely be a psych major. They, they're good in like to help people. Um, and so they'd be good at even kind of physical helping. So like a nursing major or maybe even speech pathology, that type of stuff. And yeah, it's going to be involved with people. It's going to be involved in helping uh, it could be some managerial stuff. Uh, th they're not going to like that because they'd have to be mean a lot of the time. But they would also be able to do that in a in a gentle, kind way if they could kind of find that that structure within them. So yeah. my guess is nursing. 
nursings, I guess. Well, I actually did have him on the show last week, yeah. and he was saying a lot of very similar stuff you were saying about his major. However, it was secondary social studies education, so a history teacher. Okay. And his goal with that is that he wants to go into the teaching world and kind of help students more than it is helping them now kind of thing. Okay. So he wants to embody the change that he wants to see is what he was telling me last week. Yeah, that's, co- that's cool. I mean, there's still that kind of helping piece, um, obviously working with people piece. The other thing with any of the NJ types, so X, N, X, J, uh, is they're very future-sided. They, they're always sort of looking to the future and looking to improve. Sometimes, you know, they can kind of predict things uh, in a way, and it's not really like a magical prediction. It's just that they're noticed, they're putting the pieces together faster, and they'll say, oh, I know this is going to happen. INTJs, for instance, will do that, and they're always negative. The um, INTJs tend to be pessimistic with their predictions. I think they get the good ones. They just don't tell anybody. Uh, but when something's, when they think something's going to go wrong or that's not going to work or that's a terrible idea, they'll be the first to tell you. Um, and then when it goes like they said they would, uh, they'll be the first to brag. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to cut to a quick commercial break here. When we get back, we'll be tallying up that score and telling good old Dr. Gordon what his final score was. All right. I'm so excited. And welcome back to Chatting It Up on UCM Radio, The Beat. When we last left off, we were hearing from our guest here, Dr. Gordon, about some of his thoughts on the Meyer-Briggs personality indicator, and we were about to get back to his score on Name That Major. Oh, boy. Now, your score was 10K. What does that mean? However, (laughs) on this show, the points don't matter. All right. (laughs) Let's do it. So you won yourself a new Hot Wheels Lamborghini. Heck yeah. That will be with my assistant when you leave the door. Very good. Zoom, zoom. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, uh, something that I would like to know is if you won the lottery and decided to stop teaching at UCM, what would you do instead? Jeez, I really like teaching. I'd probably still teach. I would find uh, some, you know, beautiful location, maybe Hawaii or something, and just teach one day a week, uh, no grades. You just come listen, and you better take notes, though. I just want to make sure you're, you know, getting all the information. But uh, no tests, because I don't want to grade those. So <laughs> I, I would probably keep teaching. I, I really do like teaching. Um, I'd probably go somewhere that's – I am from the south, uh, the Gulf Coast uh, originally, and so I really miss the beach being up here and. The Midwest, uh, it's hard to get to uh, to water, at least salty water. So I'd probably go back there and then just, you know, have fun, play tennis, uh, play video games, uh, teach a little bit, and uh, enjoy my money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm an East Coast baby myself, oh, so yeah? 
growing up right next to the Chesapeake Bay my oh, whole wow. life, pretty much. Yeah. Those great blue crabs. You Love must, them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know that burn of like, oh, no, where's the water? <laughs> a thousand miles that way. Nice, yeah. And I just got a telepathic message just Uh-oh. a few seconds ago from a listener wanting to know if you like Batman or Superman more. Would you care to answer? I do care to answer. I I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. There I, is a correct answer, by the way. I, I'm afraid of that. The, the door's right there if you I get the understand. answer wrong. So I know, listen. I'm a Superman guy, okay? The door's right there. I know. I know. <laughs> Everybody's a Batman guy these days, but I'm definitely a Superman guy. Here's why. As a kid, it was just because he has powers, and I'm like, I'm reading comic books or watching comic shows because I want to see somebody blast them with their eyes or fly in the sky and not build a <laughs> cool boomerang, you know? So that was my reasoning as a kid. But Superman is what I like about Superman, and I, and to be honest, you're going to get me go a little rant here. What I like about Superman is if his story is done right, I think he tells a great story, but I think nobody tells Superman's story right. The only person who got it right, or the only series that got it right, if I can embarrass myself a little bit, is Smallville, which is to say, the story of Superman isn't a story about um, how do I get powerful enough to beat this thing. Like The idea of Superman is he's the most powerful being in the known universe in many cases. And so the, the story of Superman is I have all this power. How do, I, how do I normal human? How do I not hurt people? How do I make sure that I don't take over because I have all this power and I could just take over? And you see sometimes they'll hit those beats with him, but ultimately it will resolve to um, I need to get strong enough to beat this, this bad guy or what's the way around the, the kryptonite. Uh, but I really like that struggle of as a psychologist, a psychologist who studies male psychology in particular, I really like that struggle of, you know, you've got power. And, you know, when you become a man, you, you figure out that you're powerful and you can do a lot of things. And, you know, you've, you've got a lot of skills. And how do you direct those in such a way um, that you're still the good guy, that you're fighting for, for the right causes? Now, Batman has a different thing. And this speaks to something else I think that's going on in society. Sorry to all the Batman fans. Batman is about this guy who appears to be an upstanding, regular, has it all together, rich guy, ladies man, yada, 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 who has this dark secret. And if you piss this guy off, that secret's going to get, you know, it's about this sort of like hidden angst. It's about this sort of like dark side that I don't want to show people, but it's right there and it'll come for you if you're not careful. And so I think a lot of guys these days, not to get too deep, but I think a lot of guys these days sort of feel that kind of sort of pent upness about them, that sense of like, you know, I'm kind of angry or when my feelings get hurt or when this happens, like I just bottle it up and if I let it out, you're going to be sorry, right? And that's sort of how they they kind of handle things. And so they identify with the Batman who, you know, does that, and, you know, and he's right. If you cross him, he'll mess you up. <laughs> uh, and so I think a lot of people identify with that. A lot of these, uh, I know this was supposed to be a simple, quick question, but a lot of these recent kind of heroes – that, that folks tend towards are what we used to call anti-heroes. If you think about uh, Walter White and Breaking Bad, if you think about, this is a little old now, but like Dexter. But there's all these shows where the guy is kind of a good guy in one arena, but has this dark, you know, let it all hang out, 
don't get in my way, no holds barred part of himself that they hide. And I, and I think that people identify with that, which is probably a problem. The Punisher, all these Punisher stickers you see on trucks, that's, it's all that same idea. Is There's this one side of me, but there's this side that can get you. Um, and, and I don't know. I, I, I prefer the Superman orientation where, you, where you're really trying to work on being the good guy and not trying to work on holding back the bad guy, I think. But Batman's cool, too. <laughs> I refuse to give you the satisfaction of knowing that you're correct in this argument. So we're going to move on to our next question instead. Thanks, sorry. <laughs> What's one of your hidden talents, speaking of superheroes trying to hide theirs? Oh, my goodness. As an ENFP, I have many hidden talents. I used to uh, be a gymnastics coach. I was on the diving team in college, springboard uh, diving, won three meters, lettered both years I was on the team. I'm a pretty good photographer. This is not a talent, but I like video games. I mentioned that. Uh, so I, I like video games. You got any particular that you enjoy playing? That's a great question. <laughs> uh, I'm playing, and I hope a lot of folks out there will cheer when I say this. I'm playing Valheim right now. Have you heard of this? Yes, I have. Uh, are you playing at all? Uh, I am not, no, but I do have a couple of friends who are. Oh, it's so fun. Uh, it's such a fun game. I tell people, if you hadn't heard of it, it's like... Um, it's a Viking game. Uh, Valheim is like the, it's basically the purgatory of, of uh, Viking culture. And uh, it's basically a cross between Skyrim and Minecraft, I think. Uh, sort of, you know, in, including the graphics are somewhere in between there. But in terms of it being this kind of dark, mythic, magical fantasy place, and then also, you know, you're chopping trees and building cool buildings the whole time. Uh, so that's something I'm playing. Uh, but I like RPGs. Um, uh, me and a couple buddies from grad school, uh, we go back and forth to League of Legends uh, when we get bored of anything. Those type of things. Uh, I'm a big gamer. I, I'm a millennial, so uh, it's been part of my life since I was a kid. What are you playing? Uh, me personally, I mean, I've been playing a lot of uh, Minecraft lately with a lot of my yeah. friends. But I recently got into a new game called Dying Light. Okay. It's like a cross between Assassin's Creed and Zombies. Yeah, okay. So there's like a lot of parkour involved, but also a lot of smashing of brains. <laughs> awesome. You know, Heck yeah. The best of both worlds. That's cool, man. But yeah, it also has a great storyline that I'm absolutely loving right now and a lot of really cool concepts. Yeah, man. Games are great. Uh, it's it's. I'm glad we're finally at a place where, where games are obviously really good and, and now definitely artwork, but also where it's kind of ubiquitous, right? Where... You know, when I was when I was your age, even, and um, certainly when I was a kid, like no adults, none played video games, right? Maybe a very cool uncle, you know, but it wasn't. You know, you could just assume if you knew an adult that they had no clue what a video game was, or certainly hadn't played any. Uh, but now, you know. Um, us millennials are getting old, so you guys can talk to us about video games. I mean, my dad's uh, the guy who got me into Assassin's Creed in oh, the yeah? first place. Yeah, that's awesome. That's what I mean. Like my dad to this day, he couldn't play a game on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just not in his vocabulary. So uh, it's definitely a changing culture. So I'm sure teaching on campus can be very unique. What's one of your favorite parts of it? Yeah, I really like uh, UCM. I, I particularly like the, the students here. You know, people here are, and it's probably true of the Midwest, uh, people here are really down to earth. You know, I've, I've definitely been to and, and um, you know, been in graduate school, taught at, et cetera, uh, some places where, you know, students can have a, a chip on their shoulders. You know, um, places where students really 
just ultimately want to challenge everybody, including the professors, the administration, and, and this type of thing. Uh, and that doesn't seem to be the vibe here. I mean, you, you get those students, of course, and that's fine. I mean, you know, you should have a diversity of folks and ideas. Uh, but mostly here, people are down to earth and they're and they're curious, and you know they they don't show up with ideas already in their head that you have to uh, necessarily chisel through. They're just open and ready to to learn learn whatever it is you're teaching. So uh, that's something I really like about um, about UCM. I really like the campus. I think the campus is really pretty. And one thing I just like about working on college campuses is they're they're like little bitty cities. You know, like people are around walking. You know, you walk into a building and it's a whole new set of people and uh, just a lot of community at a university. So uh, I love that. No, no other job could you get that sort, of, that sort of inclusive community experience to this level. Well, lastly, uh, if one of our listeners is wanting uh, to work or is currently working on being a psychologist like yourself, hmm. what advice would you give them? You know, one thing I always tell, and I would tell this to anybody, but um, and I'll add some specific stuff for psychology, but make sure that while you're here getting your education, that you really think, like, you, you try to get the real sense of the word, the education, right? I, I think, unfortunately, but it is a fact of the world, too much has become about kind of documentation and did you get the credential and what's your GPA and what's on your CV or what's on your resume? And that's important. Definitely do that. Definitely fill those things, check those boxes, but also make sure that you are learning. Also make sure that like, you know, and that doesn't just mean like studying in class. Sometimes you can't be bothered. I get it. But in terms of moving through college, getting to where you want to be, make sure you're learning the things that you're going to need to do in order to be successful at that. So for instance, with psychology, you know, obviously taking classes, paying attention, seeing if you can do research, reading more if you can. Um, but also things like if you're trying to fill out your CV what, or your resume, what type of jobs are going to give you some skill set that might be helpful. Now, you're not going to be able to go be a counselor, but maybe you can be a summer camp counselor. Uh, maybe you can be a coach. Uh, maybe you can um, be a substitute, right? All of these things that are going to help you interact with people. You're going to have to probably in those situations deal with some emotional problems. Uh, and not an official capacity, but uh, one thing about being a therapist, especially a, a male therapist, I, I would assume, is not being jarred by emotions when they come at you, right? Somebody comes in and they're crying and, you know, as a guy, stereotypically at least, you might be like, oh, stop it, they're there, they're now. But being able to just sit with that and, and still talk to them and, you know, get them through it without it, you know, rising your own emotions. How do you manage that. So I think just having interactions with people and putting yourself in situations where you have to resolve that type of conflict and get used to communicating in a, in a certain way or at all, um, I think those are the types of things to focus on. Uh, and they'll also fill out, be the types of things that will fill out your resume, right? So if you're a coach um, and you've done that for three years while you're in college, I think that's going to be helpful. Uh, to your resume. I certainly would look good at that if I were looking at a graduate student uh, who was applying to our program and saying, hey, they really are interested in being helpful to people. They're going to come with this interesting skill set that uh, is going to be useful in a lot of ways. Yeah, and that's actually a really great answer. But sadly, that's all the time we're going to have for today. I would just love to take a moment to thank my guest here, Dr. Aquilas Gordon, for joining us today. 
Listen to our next episode to hear from yet another wonderful person here at UCM. I'm Greg Burns, and you've been listening to Chatting It Up on UCM Radio, The Beat. Yay, we did it. It's all done. Good work. Let's go run through a parking lot with our shirts (laughs) off. Is that what you need to cool down? (laughs) 